1994 was a special year in Eurovision history. It was the first time that the same country hosted the contest in two consecutive years. RTE opted for the capital Dublin to host the event this year. Surely now it was somebody else's turn to win, right? Nope. With the probably most gentle song in the history of the contest, Paul Harrington and Charlie McGadigan did the impossible and gave Ireland their famous triple victory. With a song written by Brendan Graham. And RTE would go on to simply decide to remain in Dublin and the Point Theatre for another year. I checked in with the two rock and roll kids to see what they are up to nowadays. We had an incredible joyful and slightly chaotic morning. And a pleasant conversation went on for so long that Charlie almost missed a meeting and I had to run to my day job. Maybe I didn't get to ask all the questions I had planned. But it doesn't matter because I'm certain that you too will enjoy this talk with these two gentlemen. This is Eurovision Legends and I am Emil Lefström. Eurovision legends Charlie McGarrigan and Paul Harrington. Good morning. Hello. From Leitrim in Ireland. Where are you from, Paul? Uh, well, I'm from Dublin still all these years. Can you imagine? They still held onto my passport. <laughs> <laughs> and, and rightly so. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Are you good? We are great. Absolutely. I can't, can't complain. I mean, who could complain in, in living in Dublin or, or, or certainly in Ireland anyway, with weather like one of the worst winters we've ever had. And we're in the middle of a pandemic. So, hey, yeah, we're pretty marvellous. How did you how did you manage, Paul? I, 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 I hate to say this very loudly, but I actually enjoyed an awful lot of the pandemic. I loved the break, the free for freedom from stress, you know, not having to put up with Paul Harrington every day and running after him. <laughs> <laughs> You know what they say? It's it's all that social distancing malarkey. Uh, look, listen. It's it, I think it's different for everybody. And I tell you what, I what gives me heart is when I hear uh, Charlie that you got to enjoy it on on some level because it's nice. I mean, a lot of people did, a lot of people didn't. It's affected everybody differently. But uh, for me, I, I kind of because myself, my wife Carol have a new baby. It's 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 almost like a you know a prison sentence within a prison sentence. You know, we're serving our sentences concurrently, so that's okay. <laughs> we've been in lock- we've been in lockdown for a while, so it, it's it's all adjustment isn't it and 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 the human the human being uh, if if we do nothing well we certainly do adapt well that's for sure in this country emil you know we were blessed with great weather you know and for a change we normally don't have as good but we had literally two True. months of sunny weather so we were outside i wrote a lot of songs during this thing um uh, you know it was a great spell for and we communicated an awful lot with people on the internet wrote lots of songs with different songwriters around the world and you know a lot of them are good, a lot of them are bad, but, you know, that's the way of things normally. But I did find that after the first two weeks, uh, getting used to the fact that I didn't have to rush everywhere, I just took my, took my time writing songs as a sing from trying to get them done to a deadline. A, it has kept me to playing and singing every week. 
and uh, also it's keeping me in touch with with an audience, which is which is a, a national audience, which is which has been very very helpful during this time. So you know, it's it's because we can't, and obviously Charlie knows this, and Emil, every musician knows that we can't go and uh, play live in front of a live audience, which is a very very uh, tricky thing for for musicians. And I I, I don't mean necessarily from an ego uh, point of view. I really mean from from the creative point of view, because creative gene is a thirsty one, you know, uh, and uh, you probably know our pubs as well have been closed for a long time. <laughs> so, so I just, I just thought I'd mention that. But, but that said, you know, I mean, it's, it's good to feel purposeful because don't forget, Emil, uh, you know, all of a sudden the purpose uh, was taken away from everybody that, and the lovely distractions that life has to offer, whether it's theatre or music or whether it's a restaurant or whether it's a uh, chat in a pub with some friends or whatever it might be, you know, certainly the social interaction. I mean, for that to be taken away and essentially your liberty be, to be taken away is, is quite a big, big, uh, big thing to swallow as, as a, for the human condition anyway, that's for sure. It's 26 years since you won Eurovision. I wonder, does it feel like it were yesterday? We've been very lucky with the, with the song that we had, that it has almost become an anthem now in the country at football matches, uh, all kinds of different social occasions. And the funny thing is, after 26 years, people still sing it. People, We still sing it. We did one of the major TV shows uh, just before the lockdown, as a matter of fact, just as the lockdown was happening. And it was so heartening to know that people still love the song. And I think uh, that the song being the thing, it's a Eurovision song contest, and the song certainly one for us. What do you think, Paul? Your mobile phone is still in the vehicle. Maybe maybe that was somebody in the band we we, we forgot to pay. <laughs> so, yeah. um, that, that was my friendly Audi reporter there telling me that I, oh, that, okay. I, that, I, that I made a mess. <laughs> But, but listen, very, very quickly, I mean, for, for me, and I, I think in, in many ways, which is great, I think the song has gained in popularity over the years. And I think that's, you know, the time it has become more popular. Uh, it is reaching, you know, different audiences, bigger audiences, more diverse audiences. And it, it has taken on a life of its own, which is which is uh, really nice. It's a bit scary, though, uh, when people come up to me and they tell me that it's their grandmother's favorite song. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, I know. When it's my grandmother telling me that, <laughs> I have read that it was a very long process from when Rock and Roll Kids was written until its final form, and. I also read it was submitted already in 1992 to the pre-selection. Yes, I was on the jury the year that it that it uh, that it was um, in, and I had heard the song. I know Brendan very well. I didn't know Paul that well, but it was actually me that encouraged Brendan to get some because I did the original demo of it, and it was pretty dreadful. Now I think I, I did a Don Williams version of it, but Brendan brought me back Paul's version, and as soon as I heard it, I said that is the best thing I've ever heard in a long, long time. So we put it in, but I happened to be on the judging panel that year, so I had to declare you know that i knew paul and that i knew uh, brendan and yeah. so i had to abstain and the song didn't get through unfortunately but maybe fortunately for me because i ended up singing it the following year you know? yes nice bit of luck there that's like a nice bit of serendipity there i think yeah yeah you don't uh, still have this dreadful demo Oh, I do somewhere, but I wouldn't let anybody hear it. It's locked in a vault somewhere. <laughs> I think now I never heard your demo, but I do know you as a, as a, obviously as a more than competent singer and player. So it can never be as bad as a you you think it was, and b I don't know if you ever heard, but I did the original 
version that Brendan Graham did at the piano. And believe you me, <laughs> I, I, if I could if I could ever find put my hands on that, I could possibly could make a fortune uh, with with ransom money from, from Brendan. <laughs> we, we, you know, we we give Brendan a very hard time, but you have to hand it to him. He's had so many great, great big big songs since then. You know, like you you raised me up. It's possibly one of the most recorded songs of the of the twentieth century. But I, if you you know, we're lucky, Paul, in a way, and that we get mm. to hear we had to hear it in its purest form. That's how it is in Brendan's head when he sings and plays the piano. We were the rock and roll kids. Rock and roll was all we did. And listening to those songs on the radio. I was yours and you were mine. That was once upon a time. Now we never seem to rock and roll anymore. I suppose it, ha- it would have to have bolstered his confidence as a songwriter, you know. Brendan is a, you know, a really hard worker. You know, he works very hard at what he does. Yeah, and it was his third song to the Eurovision Song Contest. He, he did the song for 1976 and uh, 1985 also, before. When the lonely silence comes when I walk through empty halls, then all my thoughts run on to you. And when they linger for a while, you come and touch me with your tender smile. It is said that there were initially were more verses to the song than the ones you sang. Do you remember this? No, I I certainly don't because I, when I when I was um, uh, given the song the demo uh, or, or should I say the, the music? Let me let me let me rephrase that, Emil. I I Brendan contacted me uh, to sing a half a dozen songs in in a studio, literally as a working musician, and there were several songs there, but one of the songs was Rock and Roll Kids, and to my living memory, I don't remember uh, additional verses or anything anything like it. So so that's unless there's something I don't know about. But uh, from my memory, what, what we sing t- to this day is what was written. So there you go. Unless you have some sort of inside, inside information. <laughs> no, I just read online that it had seven verses that were chosen from. Well, oh, Brendan, he's a ruthless editor, you know, he, you know, like any of us, you know, when we write a song first, or even when you read when you write a book, for example, mm. you know, the editing process can be, you know, merciless and you have to sort of discard. I could not I couldn't imagine seven verses of rock and roll kids, to be quite honest. <laughs> no. Because you know? it's no. a very simple it's a very simple story. And it's a sad song in a way, because the, the singer is singing about is that he wish he could be back when he was a rock and roll kid and when life was much better and life was much easier. Paul, this was your first attempt to Eurovision. Yeah, it was. 
you know, Eurovision was something that you watched that you didn't you didn't participate in because it was one of these things you never thought. I never thought my you know I I didn't know what the way in was. And again, I suppose particularly at this time, I I had a slightly different tra- trajectory in 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 a, in a musical career. And 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 I suppose it never occurred to me that this would be something that I would ever get involved in. So I kind of accidentally fell into it, literally like that. I met Brendan. I think it was. I'm not sure if it was in Imro. I met him, but I did meet him somewhere where he asked me, and and I heard nothing after that until as as Charlie explained about the the the, the song being rejected, and then it finally went through, and then that's when I heard heard of Brendan again, and. Uh, you know, he mentioned to me that it, it had got through, and I, I really contemplated not doing it, to be honest, uh, at that time because I was I was heading in a very different direction, and I was on my way in to meet Brendan somewhere in town, perhaps again in the Imro uh, uh, building, I think it was, and uh, I was I was going in to tell him that I wasn't interested in getting involved, and that was that. I, I was going to do something else, and I saw Brendan, and he kind of he, he, Brendan is a big man and and big kind of big friendly <laughs> jump, big big friendly giant look. Um, you know, so he's the sort of guy you don't know if he's going to get, put his arms out and give you a big hug or he's going to break your neck, you know, that kind of way. So, but uh, no, he had a big smile on his face and a kind of a, 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 an inquisitive look, kind of look. And he looked at me and he said, well, you know, and I kind of looked at him and I said, uh, oh, yeah, of course, let's do it. You know, I, of course, I completely changed my mind, done a 100 or 360 degree turnabout. All I can say is don't, you know, if I tell you something and I decide on something, don't depend on it. I could change my mind in a blink of an eye. Funny, I didn't know that, Paul. I know that funny, we know each other a long time. That's the first time I realised. And, and curiously enough, I was in a similar yeah. situation myself when Brendan asked me to get involved. Uh, it wasn't yeah. a good, I had a lot of domestic stuff. I was moving house, uh, you know, to a completely mm. different part of the country. And I was reluctant. And I, I said, I'll, I'll think, think it over for 24 hours and I'll come back to you. But it wasn't your first attempt, Charlie, because I know you were beaten by Johnny Logan twice before. Yeah, but I don't hold that against him. <laughs> I still no, love yeah. him dearly. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 he, and not, not to mention all the other times Charlie was beaten by Johnny Logan when we were touring. That was only in the dressing room. That <laughs> we, we had a we, we had a big tour. We had a big tour together some years ago. All all the Eurovision winners, with the exception of Emer Quinn, unfortunately. But but now she's 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 now she's enjoying and loving all things Eurovision again, which is great. So welcome back, Emer. <laughs> Your song were Bebop Delight and Are You Shy. Uh, Bebop Delight from 1984 and Are You Shy from 1987. You came third with both. And on the Bebop Delight there is fantasy skimming Merry go night with all the chimmings On a Bebop Delight you can count all your winnings Before the game is through Is it simply that I can't see you? Is it fair? There has to be something. Uh, Bebop Delight was a kind of a fantasy song. You know, a, 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 a kind of like a child's dreaming uh, and stuff like that. And it was, you know, it's, and what I really liked about it was Noel Keelahan, who was the musical director at, at the time, did a lovely um, string arrangement of it and a lovely uh, sort of instrumental bridge in it, you know, that was just gorgeous. Then Are You Shy? Uh, I remember 
uh, because it, it was suddenly we were into miming, not so much miming, but playing to backing tracks. Whereas when, when, when Bebop Delight was there, it was all live, orchestra live, singing live, backing vocals live. But with um, Are You Shy, we were suddenly playing to a backing track. And I, I find it very difficult to work with backing tracks. I'm a, I'm a live musician. I like to play guitar and sing. So that was my first introduction to doing um, sort of working to a backing track on television, so which is a strange thing for me. But anyway, it was fun all times. And it's funny, um, Johnny, uh, um, ha- who's Mr. Eurovision all over Europe, I'm sure you'll agree, Emil, he's, he's, yes, he's what absolutely. Eurovision is all, all about. Uh, but we've all become very friendly because we have worked together on many, many occasions. Uh, and he's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing uh, performer. I mean, uh, uh, you know, he, yeah. what is he, 84, 85 years of age now? It's certainly 10 or 15 years since his last facelift. I know that for sure. Listen, he's a remarkable man who has completely, I mean, he's a private guy too with his family and, and you know, he, he, he is a certainly a big family man these days, but he's a, he's dedicated himself to, to this, uh, uh, to his art and his craft all his life. And um, always looked after his, his, his voice, which is a, an incredible instrument. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a big larger than life entertainer and a lovely guy. When he walks into a room, he, he lights it up. And same same thing, Emil. When you see him on stage, I mean, I I, I am despite rumours put out by Charlie McGettigan, I am actually younger <laughs> than Johnny Logan. But uh, <laughs> I, I I used to go and see him in shows, and and and, and I would have been a fan of him. And the funny thing, Paul, I remember uh, um, way back when I was fourteen or fifteen years of age. I, you know, I always had this in my head: I'm going to represent Ireland in the Eurovision someday. Oh, and I had I had this picture of of the, the full orchestra. Noel mm. Keelahan coming out, you know, the way they, and the conductor of the orchestra is Noel Keelahan here to sing whatever it is. And yeah. of all times, we decided we wouldn't have the orchestra. And I, think, I know. You know we, we'd <laughs> sing the song with no orchestra. And the, the, of course, we know a lot of guys in the orchestra and they were delighted they got away for a tea break every time we had a rehearsal, you know, or a drink break. Even. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about going back to Johnny Logan, uh, there yeah. is a downside to it from my point of view in that on, a, on one of our tours la- last year or the, a few years ago, uh, we were staying in a hotel and I, I was in, in the lobby of the hotel and Johnny comes in. And of course, all the heads turned to Johnny when he walks into a room. But he came over to chat me and went to chat for two or three minutes. And he went over then to, to, to check in. And this little old lady came up to me and she said, was, was that Johnny Logan? And I said, yeah. And she says, are you his father? <laughs> so that, I, I, that's the, the downside of being a friend with Johnny Logan. You won by a big margin in the pre-selection hosted in Limerick. And some stupid commentators around Europe claimed that your song was selected by the Irish juries to avoid winning again. Oh, my God. Who dares say <laughs> something like that? They, I tell you, they have a lot to answer for nowadays. I bet, I bet, they're, eat, I bet they're eating their Eurovision hats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I never heard that before. That's two things I've discovered now. Uh, Paul Harrington as a reluctant Eurovision entrant, and now somebody saying that we were put in deliberately to lose. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, shat- I'm absolutely shattered here. I'm, 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 well, the tears well, are running down my face. Emil, you must be very happy because you're asking the right questions, you see. What happens is over, over the years, and Charlie and I would remember this, particularly in the immediate aftermath, um, when we were doing interview after interview after interview. And it was like the two of us would be blue in the face answering just literally 
and we'd look and say, oh, no, no, please don't ask exactly the same questions every time because <laughs> we kept we kept trying to come up with different answers just to amuse ourselves, you know. But you know, in in telling you this and saying this, a very fond uh, uh, memory and a great time as well. You know, we were we were catapulted into a into a some sort of stardom that was a very interesting and 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 a, and a very interesting bubble and enjoyable you know uh, i have to say it's 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 sometimes looking back at it and, and and when you do see you know for example if we're on tv and they show a clip of, of back then it's, it's 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 like looking at something from the wizard of oz or something it's like <laughs> it's bizarre but 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 wonderful too you know i think we did i think 150 interviews in in over two days there and, you go uh, so as you say, you get bored with the same answers. So yeah. now my my problem is I don't know whether half of the things I remember were things I made up, <laughs> or, when, or whether they actually happened. And you were always correcting me on that. You'd say, "No, no, that never happened." And I, I just realised I, I I invented this story somehow or other. It also depends. We have a kind of a unique sense of humour between the two of us. You know, we all understand each other. But I remember one particular interview. Now, German humour and Irish humour are completely different. Uh, and we we were on German television. And uh, the, the German said in broken English, he said, how is it that, that you have now won three times in a row? What is it that Ireland is doing that makes them so successful? I said, I don't know. As a matter of fact, we're over here giving lessons to all the other songwriters. <laughs> uh, and he looked at me with a serious face and said, now, can you tell us when these lessons are happening? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> very, very straight, very straight indeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the interval act this year was one of the most famous of all times, the introduction of Riverdance, which went on to become huge. And I wonder, as participants, how much did you notice the success of the Interval Act? Oh, well, I, okay, well, I, I would say, hopefully I can speak for uh, Charlie for the first bit. I think, you know, we, first of all, we didn't get to see it because it was, it was something that was kept in, in, in camera or closed. We couldn't see the act until, I think, on, on the night. But I mean, that was pretty obvious to see that this was something special and something wonderful. But in terms of being aware of its success as a as a as a piece of you know piece of music, as a piece of uh, dance, and and to be become the huge thing that it is nowadays, I mean, that took quite a long time. So that you know, I mean, I think it was possibly a year later before right. Riverdance yeah. started started to really take off. You know, and I mean, I remember one time Charlie and I were were in in what was then. HMV record store doing a signing uh, on one of one of our boutique streets, the Grafton Street, and uh, you know we were there for at least two hours, maybe two, maybe maybe more, two and a half hours with queues and queues of people. And at that time, I did notice the the very occasional people handing us a copy of the Riverdance piece of music on on what was then called cassette. What you're you're way too young to remember those, Emil, but. Uh, uh, you know, so that was kind of saying, oh, OK, that that was starting to make a little bit of its presence felt. But it took a long time, uh, you know. And again, if you ever talk or look at, you know, uh, interviews with Moya Doherty and, and John McCoggan, it very nearly didn't get underway because they, they struggled to get funding for it, you know. So but they did. And of course, the rest is history. Yeah, the funny, the, the, the disappointing thing I always found about Riverdance, they say that it has generated over 100 million uh, euros in, in revenue. And we only we only generated 50 million, which is really disappointing to know. <laughs> <laughs> Half a loaf is better than no bread. <laughs> From this year, 1994, I have in previous episodes talked to Petra Frey from Austria, Nina Morato from France, Edith Agorniak from Poland, 
who came second, and the Finnish sister's cat cat who sang before you wearing grandma's underwear. <laughs> I, I do remember, was it Frances Ruth, the English entrance entry? Was yes. Frances, she she was staying, staying in our hotel. It was coming towards the end of the troubles in Northern Ireland, with the result that there were security men around. The fact that she was, she was English, there were yeah. security people around our hotel, and we would, Paul and myself used to spend spend a lot of time looking around us. I wonder is he a security man now? Can you see a gun? I wonder, <laughs> if he's, you know. Uh, I, I do remember that part. But the big joy of the week, I have to say, because I said to you earlier, Emil, I come mm. from a very small town uh, of seven hundred people, of which you are the king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think all 700 people from the town arrived up at the Irish party that night and uh, they, they were all delighted to be involved. It was a great night. And to, I remember we, we struck up a relationship with, with the Maltese um, group that particular night and we all ended up out in the in the club out north in Radio Television. Uh, and uh, uh, one of my friends got so drunk he fell on, on top of a table full of drinks and uh, he's been famous <laughs> for that ever since. Who was that, Charlie? Are you going to name them? Yeah, I will. Dermot Walsh, my my oh, my, 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 my West brother. Yeah, <laughs> he knows who he, he knows who he is. <laughs> Um, I do remember going back to Riverdance, you know, the green room normally during the interval would be uh, full of people who were totally self-obsessed and into what they were doing and saying, well, I wonder how many points we get from maybe in there. But when Riverdance came on the big screen in the green room, everything, everybody stopped talking and everybody's jaw just dropped looking up at the screen. And that made me kind of proud to be Irish, you know, when I saw that, that our Irish, our native Irish dance, which is, you know, a a huge thing here, Irish dancing, you know, it's it's a very important part of our culture. And here it was going out to 300, 400 million people. And even the 25 delegations, 250 people in the green room, all stopped what they were doing to watch this. And normally you wouldn't be in the least interested in what was going on in the interval act. When did you realize that you could win? I mean, was it long before the contest or during the voting when the Ducepois kept flooding in? <laughs> it, it became pretty apparent about halfway through the voting, but I, 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 don't, I didn't have a history of winning things. And, and people, you know, there are people who are very confident and, and go around, go through their lives kind of, you know, assuming that they will win always, all the time. But to me, I said, if this happens, this would be, this would be an absolute bonus, you know, because as Charlie said, we did have other things going on in our lives. And we both had, I, I, you know, I think pretty uh, established. So, well, you more so than me at the time, Charlie. But, you know, we, with careers that were that were certainly were worth nourishing and looking after as opposed to walking away and taking, a, you know, taking a completely different direction, which is ultimately what happened. But. Uh, you know, um, uh, now I've lost my train of thought. There you go. What was I supposed to start? What did I start saying? It's, 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 a, it's a bit early in the morning, Paul, I know. I lost, I lost the, the point I was going to make there now. Uh, thank God you can edit this or not. I asked what, when you did realize that you could win. Oh, yeah, yeah, very good. Yes, of course. Yes, from, from, the, from the, the halfway mark. Ultimately, we, we weren't of that mindset either. You know, I mean, none of us were counting. We were kind of sitting backstage and uh, I suppose you, do, you reach a point where you're hoping for the best. Uh, then it became inevitable that we couldn't, um, we couldn't, uh, couldn't lose. But there was 
word around that it certainly had been a favourite. A, a, a friend of mine, Tony Fenton, uh, who's who's gone now, left us. Uh, he was a DJ broadcaster with with the national station and the national pop station Two FM at the time. He had heard through a grapevine that that we were we were hot favourites, and I didn't realise and didn't know. And I know the the bookies had us at six to one. My my remembrance of it was with about four countries to go. People kept telling me, "Oh, you have it won. You have it won." And the the guitar was about two, about twenty feet away from me over over there, and I was thinking to myself, "Well, now I have to do the reprise now, so I'll have to get the guitar and tune it up, etc." And then yeah. I thought, "I can just see me and just with the guitar ready to go on to do the reprise, and the winner is Norway." Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. and, and then uh, you sit yeah. with the guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me ready to go on, you know, and having to get red in the face and go hide yeah. my head. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you don't want to start calculating and, and counting because you don't forget your head is is all a bit muzzy at that point. And the thing is, it's very easy to overlook something. You know, I mean, I can tell you one thing. I certainly co- couldn't have, I, I couldn't have gone through the nail biter that uh, Neve Cavanaugh went through. I mean, that was that was right to the wire. I mean, that was incredible. Um, yeah. um, uh, it, it was exciting beyond for it to be down to the last jury and then for it to go to her. What a shot in the arm that was, you know. That's what Eurovision is all about, Paul, you know, for a yeah. lot of people is the voting. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of people have Eurovision parties in this country and they don't watch the actual singing at all, but sure. they, they, they love watching the voting. <laughs> <laughs> you did not just win. You set a lot of records. First time a country had won three times in a row. First time a male duo won. First time a winning song was performed without orchestra. And you scored the highest number of points up until that date. Yeah, yeah. To be quite honest, a lot of that stuff, no, I don't really remember. Uh, and at, at the time, you know, you, you're making, can, you're say, as you say, you're breaking records and making history, yeah. but you don't realize you're doing it at the, at the time. You don't, no. you, you're, you know, you're just thinking of the practicalities of singing your song. And I have to say this, people often ask me, was I nervous on the night? I have to say it was the most comfortable three minutes I ever performed anything on stage yeah. because Paul and myself, we struck up a rapport between us. And I think you'll agree, Paul, we have never yeah. actually played the song the same way twice. There's no. always some little added little extra. We'd catch in one another's eye uh, and yeah. you'd say, oh, I, he- I heard that little extra chord there, that little uh, nuance you put on that. You know, it was so enjoyable. It was one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done. I, I, win I, win I or agree. lose. Well, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, and I can tell you, I think... Well, I, uh, just listening to you explaining it, it you know, again, it's like that. I, I, I love hearing other people explain a situation that I was in because it allows me to stand back. And sometimes, you know, I can see then what it was that made that difference. And just listening to you now, I think what made the difference for us was very early on between you and I, there was and it, it was unspoken, but there was a trust that was established that when we sat at a piano and sat and you sat at the guitar, that when we when we started that song, there was a there was an, there was an absolute trust that neither of us were going to put the other one wrong, that we were there for each other. We were supporting each other for that that precise three minutes. And again, I suppose as, as now now that now that Emil is reading all those wonderful statistics, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And I must ask here. Can you tell me about the trophy you got? Because for us, the viewers, it looked like something that was baked in foil. <laughs> well, I think it was Brendan that got the trophy, actually. The, 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 songwriter, the songwriter got the trophy. It looked like a piece of, uh, of piping. Yeah, which I've seen it. Brendan showed it to us. Obviously, we got to see it. But I don't. I, I think no more than um, there's a monument in the cent, right in the centre of Dublin called the Spire, 
which is which is like a 150 foot needle sticking up out of the ground and i still to this day haven't figured out that the the relevance of it and i suppose whoever designed the trophy would have had something in mind but i didn't see it yeah i believe it was modeled on on what a, a very famous thing in ireland at the time called a breakfast roll <laughs> 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 it, you're right. It looked like a breakfast roll wrapped in tin foil that was taken yeah. out of a builder's pocket every 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 twenty minutes, taking a bite out of it. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But you know what I'm what I'm really enjoying. What I'm really enjoying is you and I, Charlie, absolutely destroying some wonderful artists of renown. <laughs> designed that and we're completely stirred in strips of it anyway it doesn't matter there's people there's people give our song a hard well, we, time we could be we could be sued for some of that 50 oh, million though I, listen, <laughs> listen talk and you know what you, you never know who's listening because guess what i on my email um i don't know how it happened it would have happened a lot of years ago but but there's a, you know there's one of the rock and roll kids performances is, is on um on youtube and every now and again, if people make a comment or subscribe to that or something, it comes in on my email. And ordinarily, I, I wouldn't look. But you know what? I'm surprised how sore losers the Polish are. <laughs> <laughs> this day, they're still saying, oh, you know, Adita should have won that. And I'm kind of going, come on, give us a break. Get over yourselves, you know. <laughs> and, and it's funny because before lockdown, there's a, uh, I used to go and have breakfast uh, in, in a local lovely place called the Lovely Food Company. But there's a very nice a Polish lady works there, girl, young mother, but she, we, she would know the, the girl, Adita, pretty well. You know, she was a bit of a national figure at the time, but we often have fun about that, you know, uh, and I, you know, about, and I was, and I, every now and again, when I, I would show her one of these things and she would just laugh and say, my God, have people nothing better to be doing 26 years later, saying Poland should have won. <laughs> You have taken part in the Eurovision once more as a backup singer for John Martin in 98. Yeah. It's always over now. Does it ever last that long? Were the feelings that I had ever right or was it wrong? To think that love should last was mistaken on my part. But you promised me the earth and you only Charlie, you took part in the Irish pre-selection in 2015 as a composer. Did I? Oh, yes. Did I? You did. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, I did. I beg your pardon. I do remember. Beautiful. That. Anybody got a shoulder I could cry? Anybody got a hand to hold? Anybody warm? I'm feeling cold. Anybody want to hear the reason why? Anybody got a shoulder I could Anybody got a shoulder I could Anybody got a shoulder I could Cry Sorry, did the song finish second? I was really disappointed uh, because, uh, you know, of all the songs I've written for Eurovision, I think it was possibly the best one. Yeah, um, And, you know, uh, I, I really loved the song and I had a lovely uh, singer. 
singer Cat uh, Mahan, and and uh, who I just met by accident in a recording studio, uh, and and uh, I said, God, I must get you to try and sing this song. Yeah, I was disappointed, quite disappointed uh, that we didn't that we didn't get to represent Ireland with that one. You know, um, I'm always available. You know, I'm, I'm sure you are as well, Paul. I'm always available to write. I w- I would never ever aspire to performing in it again because I'm 69 years old. I think it's a young people's game, but I write young people's songs. I write I write songs that young people can sing you know and uh, yeah, who, yeah. who knows i could who, I, I could be back with a song for, uh, in another in another year i'd certainly go back as a as a as a musician or as a backing singer in fact the the the, the, the just because it's such a fun week you know uh you were talking about the, the going me going in with don martin that time i mean that was just a great a fantastic week when will ireland win next time uh, uh, well, I think we're putting dust in and again next year. Dust in the trophy. <laughs> uh, so, so. <laughs> you're, you're saying we, we, we and, and and the announcement will be, ladies and gentlemen, we give you Dustin and we don't want him back. <laughs> give us another chance. We're sorry for Riverdance. Sure, flatly he's a yank, and to Danube flows through France. Block folks, shock folks, give us your 12 today. You're all invited to Dublin, Ireland, to a party to Shamrock Way! Ireland, they do spa. Ireland, they do spa. Ireland, they do spa. Till the party beats. Ireland, they do spa. Ireland, Thank you for this, Paul and Charlie. This was a delight to talk to you, and I know that there is a guy sitting now and listening to this called Marcus Bjorkander that is a hardcore Eurovision fan as, as me and thinks Rock and Roll Kids is the best song in all of music history. Marcus, how are you? And, and thanks, Emil, for, for pointing out uh, that to us because, as you know, as you've been listening, we've been talking about how popular the song has become over the years, over time. And, you know, it's people like you, Marcus, who keep the dream alive as well for us. And I'm delighted that you enjoy it and derive so much joy from it. So uh, keep safe and keep washing your hands and keep singing rock and roll kids Emil thanks for having me and uh, see you sometime soon Paul okay Charlie God bless nice to talk to you this morning bye bye thank you so much bye 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 -bye. I was yours and you were mine that was once upon a time now we never seem to rock and roll anymore I was yours and you were mine That was once upon a time Now we never seem to rock and roll We just never seem to rock and roll